0: Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. I have with me today a very special guest, Carissa Brodbeck. Carissa, how are you today?
1: I am great. How are you?
0: Oh, excellent, excellent. As the audience knows, uh, Chris and I were just having a little chat before we got started, so I feel like we're warmed up and good to go. So we'll start with that first question. What has your writing journey been like up until this point?
1: Sure. Sure. All right, so on a dark and stormy night, back in the, the 90s, no, I won't start that far back. It was so um, good. <laughs> I'm a writer, can you tell? Yeah. My gosh. Um, I started writing a lot when I was like a kid. Um, and then when I was a teenager, like a, like a preteen in middle school, I used to do a lot of like longer form writing. I was on this um, game maker community called Toolkit Zone um yeah like the mid t- the mid internet was like a very magical place like the internet in 2005-2006 was like amazing um so I was like 12-13 I um started writing stories they had like a blog platform and I would like write stories chapter by chapter and there were like three people like my friends on this forum who would like read it um and those were like my first novels quote-unquote And then when I got into high school and college, I like stopped writing and I got out of college. And then I decided I wanted to write a book, like a real book. And I did, and it was so bad. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. It was self-published for like six months and then I pulled it and nobody read it. And then I wrote this other trilogy. um, And again, no one really read it. They were marginally better than the first one. had those out for a while. And that was probably like 2017-ish. And then in 2018, I started a writing group, a local writing group. And I started writing Daughter of New Worlds as a part of that writing group. It was like one of those stories that just like was in me that I had to to write. Um, I published that in January, 2020. And The War of Lost Hearts, trilogy was the first books of mine that really gained like significant traction um which has been like really felt wonderful to me it's been a very um unique experience in indie publishing because it has been a very slow burn and a lot of word of mouth um but I feel extremely fortunate that that it has done as well as it has and then by the time this airs I will have just published the third book in the final book in that trilogy which like Warms my heart, honestly. So it's been like a long journey.
0: That's super cool. I, I, I it's funny because I just talked to um quite a few authors um who just got done with their third book um in the same trilogy, and I gotta imagine that feels pretty darn good, you know, considering after that first book and then those sales and then you know really getting done with that trilogy, I just feel like it's got to be like, ah, all right, I did it. <laughs> I feel it's a lot different than so that you'd say that's different though, right? Because I don't know, like how how would you describe being done with book three versus being done with book one and
1: two. Oh, definitely different it it uh, let's say so there was like the factor of the fact that like the the fandom for this series has been a slow burn so it also means that by the time I got to book three I had like a significant audience that I did not have when I was writing book one so when I finished book one it was kind of like yeah it was very important to me that it was like really 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 good but Um, finishing a whole series and the first series of mine that has ever had like significant audience there's also a lot of responsibility that goes into it like I really want it to be satisfying for people people are like very emotionally invested in these characters and I'm very emotionally invested in these characters so (laughs) it was a it was a little emotional honestly to like I and I'm not one to get like you know mushy mushy artsy artsy about my books but I I did feel like quite emotional when I wrote the last lines of that epilogue yeah yeah. honestly yeah that's
0: fair speaking of which (laughs) your uh your audience um so I read some of your reviews and I have to say you know in terms of you know like writing goals I think um you know for me at least like trying to get people like I just got done watching Spider-Man No Way Home yesterday I'm watching season two of The Witcher um you know like like I almost cried in Spider-Man. Like there was a few parts where I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I was not prepared for this emotion today. You know, like I thought it was just going to be like, like a fun, you know, whatever, but it was so good. And then with the Witcher, there's like a couple scenes kind of like the last kingdom for me where like, like I, I, I teach kids and stuff and like, I, I love children. And I just love how Geralt and how Uhtred both just like, if there's a kid involved, it's like Chuck Norris, like there's no stopping him, you know? And, there's just a couple of lines where I'm just like, man, like they really move you, you know? And I just thought it was funny looking at some of your reviews because I feel like obviously like that's my goal, right? It's to write something that moves somebody to the point where they're feeling such intense emotions. I saw some of your reviews, um, you know, particularly for book two and three, because um, they're a little bit newer on Goodreads, um, you know, whether they pop up to the top. And I just thought it was interesting, you know, where you had quite a few people who were like, Oh my gosh, like this happened or, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this happened. And I feel like you really nailed, you know, like my writing goal for, you know, an audience, like trying to really push them into one emotional sphere. So I think, uh, you know, you did a really good job with that. So like very clearly, cause you can tell by your reviews. So,
1: oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, definitely kudos there. I was like, Oh, cool. And that's actually one of the ways I found you too, is I saw you on Twitter and then I actually went and I always checked reviews for people just to kind of do research and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but you had some really, really good ones, so, and uh, it was funny to see what some people were saying, So I'm like, that's how I feel like I like to review my books, so, obviously, you did a really good job with your character development, and, you know, they obviously were very attached to the characters, so, kudos there. Oh,
1: thank you, I actually, I do not read my reviews, unless, I'll read them if people tag them, and tag, yeah, right, (laughs) I don't have, I don't have that kind of emotional, like, (laughs) Um, I don't think many writers it, do but...
0: like they like to pretend that they do, but I don't think that they really do. I've never met one that's like, oh yeah, like even Joe Ambercrombie, I think he puts up you know, he puts up his one stars, but I feel like he does that, you know, just to like it's kind of like people that say they like spiders to me. I'm like, do you really do you really you know and I think some people writers they were like, oh, my reviews don't hurt me. I think they just put them on there just to like show it like try to show us, but i don't I don't know if that's actually a thing. I feel like. I don't
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to each their own. I'm not here to yuck anyone (laughs) yum. But I know for me, there are books that I've read that just like, blew my mind. Like, I'm like, Oh, my God, like, holy shit, this is like the best book I have ever read in my entire life. And then you can go on Goodreads and find 1000s of people who have one starred that book. And that's fine. Like, it's not their thing. And that's completely okay. I feel like you have to let go as a writer, as a creator of any kind, you have to kind of let go of this this conception that there's a universal good. There's no universal good. There's something that you as Daniel like, there's stuff that I as Carissa like, and sometimes those things are not the same and sometimes they are, and that's great. But, you know, it's a, you can't, I I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's not a good use of my time. And then also it's, I feel quite strongly that there's reader spheres and there's writer spheres. And sometimes writers can unintentionally be almost, um, Invasive by crossing over into reader spheres too much. Like for example, if I'm a reader and I did not particularly enjoy a book, so um, and I gave it three stars or whatever. If the author were to go interact with that review in some way, I would feel a little bit like oh, that's you know me saying to a reader community, I thought this was good, not great, is not the same as as me going to an author and being like, mm. I thought it was good, not great. You know, it's not it's not mm. the same. So I try to respect that you know, but tangent anyway.
0: <laughs> no, I, I actually think, I think you make a really good point. Cause I, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of readers also struggle with this personally, because I, I personally, like I'm never going to give a one-star review because I feel like if I am going to give it a one-star review, it was my fault because I didn't pick the right book for me or was a bad suggestion by a friend. And I never like I I'll find something that's good with it. You know, like I'm, I'm one of those people where it's like if it was like really horrible, I'm not going to review it. And, you know, for me, because, again, I feel like it's me. And I feel like a lot of readers think it's like their duty to tear apart the writing or the character development or whatever, just because it wasn't the book for them. But I feel like what they don't understand is that's inadvertently going to, you know, their review might cost somebody else who might really enjoy it you know, to not read it. And like, I usually don't review a book if it's, you know, I'm not going to give it three stars or if it was pretty close, I'll find something else positive and give three out of five stars. Like, otherwise I'm like, it was my fault and I probably didn't finish the book. And, you know, there are some books where I didn't finish, but I'm not, that's another thing that drives me crazy is when people don't finish a book and then review it. Cause I'm like, well, you, so am I going on vacation? Right. And I am trying to go to Las Vegas, but I didn't make it. I didn't make it so I'm gonna put, you know give that trip a bad review and I'm like but you didn't even get to Vegas you know and I'm like uh-huh. finish the book so like there was um like Rob J Hayes never Die. like I love that book there was somebody that read like the first page or something and it's like it's literally like this big and it's like three lines and they dnf'd and gave him a one out of five and I'm like what's like you didn't even get through the first chapter and the first chapter is one of the best chapters I've ever read out of any fantasy book and I just I can't believe it and like Dirk Ashton had somebody DNF at 97% speaking of like people that like characters because um one of the characters like something happened to them and they were freaking out and they didn't realize that they had just finished the book then that character like everything would work itself out and I just think it's kind of funny because I do. I, I'm like, I ask people all the time readers. I'm like, oh, you gave that one a, you know, one out of five and didn't finish, huh? They're like, yeah, it was just so bad. And I'm like, well, I'm like, I get it. But I'm like, you, yeah, you didn't, you never even went on vacation. So I it just, it's kind of weird to me that, you know, because nothing else in life, are you going to do that, you know, similar thing than writing a book like that. And it just drives me crazy because I feel like a lot of people it's like, or they don't like an author. So they'll go and bomb and stuff like that. And I just don't think people realize
1: yeah. time and
0: energy, you know, we spend in the books, like I'm at like 14 years into, you know, my fantasy world and stuff. So when I do my first, not saying that people can't give it a bad review, but at least finish the book, you know, or you know, like, I don't know, it just kind of drives me crazy. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think some people, writers and readers don't understand how to interact with those spheres and they try to, you know, coalesce into the other one. And I don't think it works. I think it's very clear there in you know, particular some people's reviews or maybe even some people's writing, right? Because they're trying to overshadow those reviews rather than just do what's best for their audience. But I think you make a great point there about different spheres.
1: Yeah. Yep. But never sorry heard, for my tangent. No, I've
0: never heard anybody put it that way. And I, I really like it. So I'm actually gonna be using this conversation to uh, kind of talk about that in the future, because I think that would actually be a really good podcast uh, item as well. So Like I said,
1: yeah, it's a, it's, I'm very curious, actually, if you do ask other authors about it in the future, because everyone has very different attitudes about it. Like I am very, for example, I don't follow readers back unless I, unless I have a, a, if they beta read for me or something, or if they're an ARC, you know, then yes. But in general, because I feel like I'm invading their personal relationship with my books by doing that. So, and I really, I want that to be untainted, but but I'm curious how other authors feel about it. Cause I don't talk to many about it personally, but.
0: Well, I, we're going back through season one and we're actually, so like issues like this, we're actually going to go and we're trying to do panels. So I'm trying to get like five authors, at least three authors to come. And then I'm going to put the topic up and they're going to discuss. Uh, so we thought we would do some panel discussions and things like that. I think that'd be a really good one, but I do agree with you because it is a very interesting point. Cause like, so I'm like a teacher, I, I coach volleyball. And like, there are some things that like I do with my team, you know, like after a win or stuff like that. And, you know, I want them to feel like, you know, we're all part of the same team or family, but at the same time, you know, like I'm a coach and they're my athletes. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's just certain things that like, you know, like if we put those spheres together, it just doesn't work. Right. Cause they're going to see, you mm-hmm. know, me in a different light and it doesn't help them. It doesn't help me. You know? So there are a lot of times where they're like, Hey, do you want to come and sit with us? I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm like, I'm just going to sit on the bench with varsity or whatever, you know? cause it's their time separate. So I definitely agree with you. You know, there's a lot of things I think, you know, psychologically, like, you know, that we talk about like that in terms of society, but we, I don't think we think about it in terms of a writing aspect and, you know, or a reading aspect or in terms of our community. And I think that's actually a really good point. And, you know, I think there are certain spheres that, you know, shouldn't be crossed. So I think it actually is a really, really good point that you make. So I like tangents. They usually end up really good topic. Coming. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I'm glad this one turned out. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got my mind whirling now. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to like, I'm going to start talking about that with other people now. Um, maybe we'll, oh, I'm excited. we'll do a couple of questions today. And yeah, I'm very interested to see what people have to say about that. Uh, for that second question there, I'm really interested uh, in particular um, after reading the blurbs and stuff for your book. So what is it about fantasy that draws you into writing within this genre?
1: So, you know, what's funny is I've been thinking about this. I, um, number one, I'll start with like the lazy reasons. I don't like to do research. So I love (laughs) that in the fantasy world, I can just make everything up. And that's another reason why like, you know, I have a a very close friend of mine, uh, Claire Sager, who wrote um, a series. It's all like pirates, you know, it's fantasy world, but it's all pirates and whatever. I would never do that because you know how much you have to research about being on a boat? I I don't have time for that. I'm tired. Like, (laughs) no. (laughs) And you'll see it even in like, magic systems and whatever but so there's that I like being able to just make a world that can do whatever um it's just generally cooler you can do all kinds of cool stuff and then also from the perspective of so I write romantic fantasy which means that the the romances and the character relationships are like very very core to my work um And it's also what I like, I enjoy writing most. And what I kind of love about writing romantic fantasy and writing romances in fantasy worlds is that there's so many different levers you can pull Mm. that are different than like a contemporary or historical romance. You can like create situations that are just completely designed for creating these two characters that are perfect for each other in some way or, or amping up all of their excuse me, Calcifer, <laughs> my goodness, um, that are just built for amping up their their past um, in relationship to each other. And I really like having the freedom to be able to do that in like very larger than life ways.
0: That's a great answer. I'm actually thinking of, um, it's funny because I'm giving this book to a friend, hope he's not watching right now. I'm giving this series to a friend. It's uh, Elaine Cunningham and it's uh, Daughter of the Drew, I think is the, f- first I think this is the first one um but it's funny because that you mentioned that because my friend and I are talking sorry first I guess this is I can't remember which one this is it was the second one but man it was a good series it was like a good trilogy and my friend was like do you realize that half of it was romance and I was like went back and read it a second time I was like it really was I was like and she did such a good job and I I think that first of all I think you'd really like it Um, It's just a great fantasy series, but she does a great job between the two main characters and like there's such a deep relationship there and when my friend had said that I was like I didn't even realize that and then when I went back and read it the second time, you know, instead of reading for the fantasy aspect I read it for just the relationship and I was like, man, this is really, really cool. And I do think you're right there because the author Elaine Cunningham like she has a lot of different fantasy elements Their typical fantasy elements and you know really blend that romance and that relationship in a different way than you could in another genre and it really made me think differently about you know um, you know some of the other books that I've read you know where I really like the relationship between these characters or these characters Uh, so I definitely think that that's a really good answer because I think a lot of people will think differently now about maybe some of their, you know, the fantasy romances that they liked, or maybe even sci-fi ones that they liked in the past.
1: Totally, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah, they like Han to...
0: Solo, right, and Princess Leia, like, you know, literally their backgrounds, you know, transcend and it makes that relationship very, very interesting in that setting. Um,
1: exactly, right. Yeah, you just have a lot more freedom to like really go larger than life with those elements and those backgrounds of those two characters, which yeah. is, for me, like why I write It is the most fun part it's why I write the genre I write
0: yeah that's a great answer there's one uh book that I love in particular that I think really captures what you're saying it's uh The Courtship of Princess Leia I'm totally blanking on uh who it oh was. my
1: god I have re- yeah I've read that book it was my mom so my good. mom is a huge Star Wars fan and that has been like her favorite book for her entire life since she was like because it was published in like the 80s right like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so i read it when i was like 13 years old wow i can i have never heard anyone mention that book
0: oh before i love it well the thing is it's like in star wars fandom because i feel like you know you have a lot of mansplaining there sorry guys um
1: <laughs> do, and like i just
0: oh, well they brought it up in a group a star wars book that i'm a part of a book group that i'm a part of it's like a book club group and they're like okay now for the courts of princess leia and i was like oh my gosh this book was so good And I'm looking out there, and it's particularly, you know, the guys, and they're like, oh, this is the worst Star Wars book. And I'm like, really? Because I'm like, you really see, you know, their relationship in a different light. And you really see, you know, how Han is this, is really insecure, you know, particularly around Leia. And I just thought, like, it was interesting how Prince Isidore was there. And, you know, just that whole dynamic. And, you know, Luke's like, come on, dude, you got to get your, you know, your button gear. And you know, I Han like, Oh, I want what's best for her, but really like that whole adventure played out. And yeah, I just, there's a lot of social things there too, that you never really thought of before. And I just think it, it was a great romance story person. I think that's why a lot of guys particularly didn't like it, but I thought it was like, it was really good. It was like sci-fi princess bride to me, like literally like,
1: yeah, personally. I actually, I haven't read it like since I was 12 now, like you mentioning, it brings like so much back. I have to read it again. Now that you've met, that's like going to jump right to the top of my, oh, my TBR list now.
0: It's so immediately. I, somebody, I was like, well, that, that I Jedi and I Jedi is another one too, where, you know, when my friend had mentioned Elaine Cunningham's being a romance, uh probably about eight or nine months ago, I said, well, I want to go back and read I Jedi again. And it's Coran Horn. Well, if you look at his later wife, it's the same thing. You know, it's literally like, you know, I was like, man, I was like, where did they get these, you know, these authors from at Star Wars at the time? And some of them had to have been doing something in the romance genre, whether or not, you know, it was under their own name or a pen name, because I feel like those were books when I really looked back, I was like, those are deep relationships, you know, and I felt like they had a lot of really cool aspects. And yeah, it was just, it was so interesting. Because I was like, oh, of course you're Princess Leia, I Jedi. And there was another one I was thinking too, where I was like, yeah, it's totally, it's really a romance, just, you know, built around a sci-fi world so yeah it was really
1: totally cool. and that's like what i'm about to take us on another tangent no, no, so no, stop no, me. If, if, if you're not along for the ride then just feel <laughs> free to slam the brakes at any moment but see that just drives me like bananas you know like you were saying how these guys are talking about the courtship of princess leia and how it's like man it's the worst star wars book because it's too much kissing and blah 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 okay as a fantasy romance author or romantic fantasy um we get that all the time, you know, cause we're kind of living between worlds. Sci-fi and fantasy is traditionally very male dominated. Yeah, Thankfully yeah. that is changing. And I'm very excited to hear how many- Yeah, February it really needs wrote, to. You know? <laughs> I, I love that, that's great. But like, you know, and even, even within sci-fi fantasy female authors often feel the need, female authors who are not writing romance um, feel the need to kind of push back against romance to say like, oh, I'm not like, you know, I don't write girly fantasy, you know, I don't. And thankfully, I think that's starting to change too as romantic fantasy and female oriented fantasy is becoming more mainstream. Um, but, you know, early uh, earlier in this conversation, you talked about the reviews that I've gotten very kindly and how people were emotionally connecting with characters. Well, do you know how hard it is to write like romance authors, writing a romance is not hard. That's not like bottom shelf writing. You know, you're writing very complex relationships and I like, hear. and making people invested in them. And that's why I feel like anyone who writes any genre should be reading at least a little bit of romance, um, regardless of whether that's your thing or not, because that's how you learn. You can take those lessons anywhere, to yeah. epic fantasy, to like hard military sci-fi, you know, that's, that's character writing essentially. Yeah. Um, and I love to see more, more authors starting to recognize that even across genres that are very much not romance genres, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: I, so I'm going to keep going with this tangent. Cause I just love like the can of worms we opened up. So I just think that if you, so my friend, right. She was like, well, her and her husband, they're like, you really need to look at the books that you really liked in the movies. And, you know, cause I was like really trying to look at relationships and she's like, you love relationships, right? She's like, when you really think about it and She goes, whether or not it's romantic or otherwise, she was like, every book you've mentioned or TV show you talked about, she was like, you mentioned the relationships. And that's why I love The Last Kingdom so much for both the books and the TV show, because Uhtred and his men, I just love, like, it's the ultimate bro experience, you know, like they could get into any sort of mischief and be outnumbered and they're going to stick together, you know, and they have like Mm -hmm. that bond. And when she had said that, I was like, oh, okay. So I went back and really looked and you know, you think the same thing with Lord of the Rings, right? Like you have those male relationships that every that I feel like a lot of guys want, but then you also have, you know, um, you know, you look at Gandalf, right? And um, I'm so blank out her name right now. <laughs> it's 20th anniversary and I'm doing this. Um, but you know, like the the elf queen, um, like she, like I loved in The Hobbit where they brought that romance in there. And some people are like, oh, that was dumb. I'm like, no, I'm like, if you really look at their history, though, like, I really felt like they captured it really well. And you can really see that right in the the original trilogy for Lord of the Rings that, you know, there's something between them. And, you know, as soon as she hears that he fell, you know, like her face is, you know, just totally different and she's all powerful. And I felt like she, you know, couldn't save one of her oldest friends or, you know, romantic interests. And, you know, you look at, you know, you know, you look at Aragorn with Return of the King, right. And those two different Mm -hmm. relationships and I mean, I don't know. I was, I, I just felt really connected to the conversation I had with them about it, and I was like, yeah, I never really considered those, you know, pieces as romance. And my friend's like, yeah, like you know, you just look at, you know, you break it down. I'm like, no, you're totally right. I'm like, I just think a lot of times that, you know, I don't know if it's like a guy thing or what, but you know, we just don't realize that some of those things you really do like, you know, are in fantasy or sci-fi. And you know, I think you make a good point, right, where. If you cl- label it romance, there's a lot of guys who are like, oh no, I don't want to read that or, you know, watch that. And think of like a romantic comedy, right? Like, I love romantic comedy. It's like, that's like my thing. And I just think a lot of guys are like, oh no, but if you label that movie something else, but the same things happen, it's a totally different story, right? like if it's like American pie or something like that, you know, like a lot of people don't see the, you know, the romantic inclinations there. it's like the same story, you know, it might have a few different elements, but it's really, when you look at it, it's the same type of writing. It was just labeled differently. And I said to my room, something for my friend. I was like, that's romance. He's like, no, it's not. And I broke it down for him. This one sci-fi book we were reading. I was like, it's totally romance. And he was like, Oh my gosh. So they, now he's reading romance books. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I want the same type of thing and I'm like well it's just funny that I I do agree with you like it is interesting right where there's that connotation you know and that stigmatism that this is romance and I've talked to a lot of indie authors particularly guys I'm like first of all like if you can get somebody you know like that's what we all want right is to people to feel a certain way about our characters and then we want people to care about the relationships between them like that literally is you know a lot of that is done really well in the romance genre so I was having conversations with people. I'm like, you should really think about, you know, reading more romance or, you know, at least watching different, you know, movies where it's in, you know, because I just feel like, how do you get past relationships with writing? Like, even in fantasy or sci-fi, like you don't. Right. You you have to be able to, you know, to have them connected. So I definitely agree with you. It's, it's very interesting that there's still that stigmatism. So.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to learn there, especially like every well-done romance book, right, is about, two characters who have wounds, right? And about them learning to overcome those wounds with the help of that other other relationship. Mm-hmm. And when you break down basically any, you know, friendship like those ride or die friendships that you talk about that are so mm-hmm. common in epic fantasy, that's how you make a, a friendship feel real. Like that's an exercise that I do with my platonic character relationships. I, I mean, the, the keystone relationship is kind of like the key um, you know, romantic relationship, but there's also very strong tertiary relationships around that. And the process for developing those is pretty much the same. So there's a lot of uh, artistic stuff to be learned there, even though I will never fault anyone for not enjoying romance. That's totally fine. We all have different tastes, but there's a, there's definitely a lot to be learned there. I think for any genre.
0: Oh yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, like I was one of those guys for a long time where I was like, oh, I'm not going to read the Patricia books, mercy Thompson. And I was like, ah, I just didn't like, I didn't really like the covers. I think I felt like they were a little bit more sexualized
1: um, yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: fashion guy. So I was just like, Oh, it's probably not my thing. Uh, and I felt my friend one day, he was like, dude, you just, you don't get the character. And he was like, just forget the covers. I like, just read moon called. And I read moon called and I got home probably about seven 30. I definitely got like halfway done with the book, probably went to bed about (laughs) 2am to get up and go to work. I got home, like I was definitely done the next night. I mean, it probably took me like maybe six and a half hours to read, like maybe. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I literally went through the entire series um, within like probably like eight weeks, like maybe. And then I had read the Alpha and Omega, like almost all those two. Um, So yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I found out my friend really liked them. So him and I were sharing them back and forth. We kind of book clubbed a couple of topics and stuff. And you know, then one of our friends was like, I can't believe you guys read those. I'm like, this is so good. I'm like, first of all, her <laughs> writing style, he, she's like one of my new favorites, like definitely top three of all time. I think in terms of writing style, like I actually, she's like my number one. Um, then in terms of like characters and story, she's definitely like, like number two or three for me. And, you know, they kind of rotate depending on you know, who I'm reading and stuff. But yeah, I just like, I was like, man. And I think after that, you know, like you were saying, like, I had a different appreciation for, you know, the romance aspects. I was like, oh, this, she's got really great character development. You know, like you can definitely tell the relationships are different. But yeah, I was like, man, I I cared about all the characters. And then, you know, when one of them, you know, they're not getting along or something like that. Like, I feel like you really feel it. So yeah, you, you could definitely tell, you know, she's got those romance pieces in there. And I felt like it really, added to the experience rather than you know some people think taking it away but yeah I I recommend them all the time to people like these are so good
1: (laughs) yeah awesome
0: all right uh so what is your trilogy the war of lost hearts about obviously I know but (laughs) just for our audience
1: (laughs) so it is about um it's a second world fantasy so completely fantasy world um this young woman uh who is a slave and she kills her master um, by accident and flees her country and goes to this other country with the intention of joining this very powerful uh, group of magic wielders and using their power to to, uh, go free her friends from slavery back in her home country. Um, When she gets there, she's like half dead. And they tell her that she can't join the orders because she has to do an apprenticeship and she's forced into this apprenticeship with this very reclusive, very cranky uh, magic wielder, who was like a former military star. Um, He really doesn't want to do it, but they force him to do it too. So she's kind of thrust together with this guy and all the while, um, all of these organizations that she's really idolized her whole life and has really looked up to as like this shining star of, of that could be her savior. Um turn out to be a lot more corrupt than she really realizes and are manipulating her um in some ways that she doesn't realize. And then she's also dealing with, you know, being an immigrant to this new country and struggling with the language and people not wanting to take her seriously for a lot of different reasons. Um the plot gets a lot bigger from there, but that's <laughs> that's the overall overall gist of where we start.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It sounds really interesting to me. I think uh... Yeah, there's so many pieces there. When I was reading like your blurbs and stuff, I was like, this sounds really, really interesting. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I just love like the gruff. I don't know. I just like that's that, you know, that trope, like the gruff military guy. I don't know. I just think like they're just always so cool to me, you know, and they always get to do the coolest things. And I think that's just I don't know, maybe it's my generation you know, with uh, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, and those guys, like, I feel like I was Rambo. I don't know. I just feel like there was a lot, you know, to those characters that I really idolize and things like that. But then, you know, you got different, um, you know, people after that era who were a lot different. And I would think is more like your modern band, so to speak, at least I hope, um, you know, or like more sensitive and things like that, but still, you know, has those, you you know, those uh those classic, you know, like resolved strength and things like that, you know, wanting to help people um, you know, in need or, you know, things like that. So yeah, I just I always picture that as like Russell Crowe or Denzel Washington <laughs> when I'm like reading or writing. I just like I love both of those guys and I feel like they, you know, I don't know, but to me like they both really, um, you know, especially in their acting, like really to me like make the trope better, I guess. So I kind of always picture them like that. But yeah, when I was reading your blurb, I was like, oh, it's totally Russell Crowe. <laughs>
1: like, I like
0: I had a picture in my mind. Like I was like, this is really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never gotten that fan cast, but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna argue against Russell Crowe. Yeah. I yeah, always yeah. in my head, he is Daniel Henney, who oh, is okay. right now in yeah, that's that's him to me that's in my head. Cool. Oh, yeah. I haven't actually watched the Wheel of Time series yet, despite being like a huge Daniel Henney fan. When I found out he was in it, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm definitely watching this now. Yeah, yeah, but-
0: <laughs> I, I was so happy when he was cast because I hadn't thought of him. I was like, yes, please. Like, but because that's like somebody asked the other day, they're like, who would you picture in this? I'm like more of like a Russell Crowe, but Asian. <laughs> it's like Fred's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I said there's this one actor like I'm trying to track down what movie he was in. And it, like, wasn't the last Samurai with Tom Cruise, but it was another one like that. And I'm, like, I always pictured, like, that character, like, him. And it dri- it drives me crazy. I'm, like, the guy looks like an Asian version of Russell Crowe, but just, like, has piercing eyes. And he's got this awesome black beard. And I was, like, yeah, that's totally his character for me. But and they said Daniel Henney. I was, like, I could totally do that. Like, I was so excited. Because a couple of the other people they had in mind, I was, like, no. That's, like, nothing. Nothing. Like, I feel like he has the... I don't know like the the ambiance, like he's got the grace but he still has like that piercing personality and he doesn't say a lot right but he still says a lot and I thought like how are they going to find somebody you know that's able to do that but I thought he does a really good job of it so yeah he's he's definitely exceeded my expectations like for sure I'm actually really excited to watch the last episode I think it's today or tomorrow so Highly, highly, highly recommend it. I'm like, why now I'm like, okay, I'm like, they really need to put him in more, you know, fantasy things like I was thinking like The Last Airbender or something like that. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I just put him in everything. I will watch anything that he's in. I don't care if it's like the worst movie in the world. Like I am there front row of the theater, like popcorn in hand, like I'm ready to go so yeah, I'm like, all for it <laughs> well
0: I was like I said to a buddy of mine I was like I am gonna have to write this whole another series now and he's like why I was like he's does such a good job as this character I was like I had a role in a role kind of similar to that but slightly different I was just like oh now I'm gonna have to write like this whole trilogy just for him just with how I saw him on screen and stuff and um yeah it was really really cool but yeah highly recommend it to you or our audience yeah if you guys have never seen anything with him make sure you check it out um I was just looking at some of his backlog list of different movies and stuff like that. And yeah, my buddy and I were, I think we're going to go watch a couple of those actually next week for break and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. a cool one. That's really cool, actually. I didn't realize that you had him in mind, so that actually is even cooler to me, and, like, no offense, Russell Crowe, if you're watching this, but...
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> imagine imagine if he was and he was just, like, cripplingly offended, like, oh, I'm never listening to this podcast to ever again. Fair,
0: <laughs> to be fair, I put Russell Crowe on everything. Like, I have this, uh, well, like, I I have this one, like, I want to do, like, uh, uh, okay, I'm reading Mal's in Book of the Fall with my best friend, and I'm just loving, like, the Roman soldier thing, so um i want to do a like an urban fantasy but it's like historical fantasy i want to take the lost legion and i'm going to explain why they got lost and it involves zombies and the oh, two cool. main guys i have are like russell crowe and denzel washington if you can imagine them as like middle-aged you know like roman soldiers like very gruff and just oh,
1: <laughs> i love it that sounds amazing i'm yeah. on board
0: yeah, so don't worry, Russell. If you want to do the movie after I'm done with the books, you can. You and Denzel can definitely take those roles. So.
1: Yeah, I think I could find a spot for him somewhere. Like gun yeah, to yeah. my head, like I think I could figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: <laughs> my brother, every time Gladiator's on, he like we both have to watch it. I'm just like, oh yeah. I don't, even, I don't think I like the movie that much anymore. I think I just like Russell Crowe's character in there, you know. And yeah, I refer to him a lot. Just like always, like thinking of where the perfect spot for his type of character would be um like I found Denzel's I got this like um kind of like this Romanesque like um soldier but it's more of like um I I don't have it as like like European I guess it's more of like an empire that's from more like an African like type of country um and yeah I got Denzel coming out and he just looks so cool (laughs) like he takes this young group of adventurers and like kind of whips them into shape and they have to like save the world so I'm hoping one of these days you know like I could uh, give a copy to Denzel, be like, this is your character, by the way, like, totally.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm manifesting yeah. it. It's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe when we'll at times, you know, kind of kind of done, you can, you know, hand your book to Daniel and see what he says. <laughs> oh,
1: my God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to speak. Like, if I, <laughs> I, I would just like, I would die.
0: That'd be so I'm cool doing. though. If was like, yeah, Let's <laughs> do this. Like, that'd be really, really cool. Like I could totally see. Oh my God. It, like, cause that's like what everybody wants, right? It's like a true blood. Like you got the romance, but you got the fantasy. Like that's why everybody wants a new game of Thrones, you know? Cause they like did that perfectly. So I think like, you know, they're definitely looking for, you know, things like that. I think your genre, you know, your niche would be like, they'd be perfect. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's like a lot, I think you know they're working on the Court of Thorns and Roses uh, adaptation yeah. and a Throne yeah. of Glass adaptation and a few other of those. So yeah, maybe I can ride that wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't even care like how many years have passed, like if he's like age appropriate at that time or whatever. I don't care. That's, yeah, 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 Do whatever CGI magic we need to do to like de-age <laughs> him or whatever, as long as we can get him in there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. I always think that yeah. like my friends and I were just talking about like the fan casting like who would, who would be your fan cast? And we were just talking about that the other day in a writer's group. I was like, some of the people had some such good ones. I'm like, wow. I was like, I could really see this being a really, really good movie or like TV show. I think Netflix has to do it though. Like no offense to Amazon. I just, I think they kind of miss certain things with wheel. Of... Like I'm enjoying it. Um, I think they miss certain things. I think Netflix does a better job with like the witcher and stuff of, um, mm. I don't know about shadow and bone. Cause I just started like watching and I didn't read the books yet, but I'm interested to see, you know, how closely they went, but it seems like they're better with source material, um at least from like HBO
1: way- is probably like gold standard though, that right? Like-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they're trying to reach that. That's like HBO. I'm like, come on, guys! Like, you did Game of Thrones. I'm like, it was really successful. I know they're doing like the prequel series now, but I'm like, I want something different. I'm like, I want you know, some of these book series. Like, I think they, I think they set the, yeah, I think you said it right. They set the gold standard. I think they did match it now. I just think Amazon didn't quite do it. Um, I'm interested to see what season two is like. Um, yeah, I think the actors and actresses they got were absolutely amazing, like the said, Sedai, like everybody I actually liked, like parents, uh, actor. I thought Rance did a good job. All the girls were just amazing, like like naive. I was like, I see I've seen her in some really good movies and TV shows and stuff, but I wasn't sure. I hadn't really seen her in a fantasy setting, but I actually really liked it. I thought she I was like, how are you going to get somebody portrayed that, you know, complex of a character? But she's done a really, really good job. So, like, i watched the show. Just her, yeah, like her, like that actress, like I would watch it just like for her and her playing Nynaeve. Like she's done a fabulous, fabulous job. Some of the other people they were trying to get, I was like, eh, I don't see them, you know, really capturing it. But I'd seen a movie with her right before I heard about her uh, casting. And I was like, yeah, I could see that. But she's like knocked it out of the water, I feel like at least. I know some people don't like the way she's twisting her braid. I'm like, you guys need to get a, a new habit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> go read another series, Carissa. This is he ready to go? You know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm ready. Let's go.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. That's funny. Yeah, I could totally see him playing that character. That's really cool. Uh, what do you think the most helpful thing was in terms of planning your trilogy, or did you just go by the seat of your pants like most people?
1: Um. So I learned a lot. You know, I would say that over the course of this trilogy is really when I became like a a professional writer. I would say like I had written a bunch of books before that, but I learned I leveled up a lot. Mm. Um, I w- I wish I had planned more big picture at the very beginning, but with every book, I planned more, mm. um, and I learned more about my process. So like for this book, the, the third book, I had. a a 60 page binder, you know, like just, it was like, I told the entire story the way I would tell like a friend, like I just stream of consciousness wrote it. So it's like 60 pages of just like, you know, like full pages, bullet points, scene by scene. And I would sit down and make sure I had everything mapped out beforehand. And when I'm doing that, I can crank out like 10, 15,000 words a day. Like when I'm really like going, 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 that's not every single day, but Yeah, yeah. Um, So learning about myself and learning about my process was key. And I have done that with every book more and more and kind of leveled up with that. Um, The other thing that was very helpful, and I think the reason why this series has become as successful as it has, is I read a lot in my subgenre. I had a very clear idea of who my audience was, and I really tried to understand what they liked about books Mm -hmm. and that was actually kind of easy for me because I am part of that audience you know so it's not me like analyzing this like foreign group of people that is nothing like me um I would read books and I would look at the books that I really really loved and I would really think about like okay what it was it about this book that resonated with me so hard and really had a clear idea of like what I wanted my books to be like Susan Dennard who is a fantasy author, has a lot of really wonderful writing um, resources on her website. I mm-hmm. would strongly recommend it to any, yeah, any writer. Yeah, check that out. Yeah, she's so, so good. But she has this great revision guide. And I don't follow all the parts of her process. But one part that when I read it, I was like, this sounds super stupid. But I mean, no, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. She talked about when you finish your draft, um, you write a fan letter to yourself, meaning if you as a writer received the ultimate fan letter, like the kind of response that you would want a reader to have, what would that look like? Um, And the reason that she recommended doing that was because then you know what you're trying to create. Hmm. And she did it before doing revisions, but I have started doing it or an exercise like it before I start writing a book, like as I'm planning. So if if I want someone, if I'm writing a book and I know that I want, I want people to cry, you know, like, I want people to cry at this particular part. I want people to feel very connected to this particular character. I want them to feel, um, like satisfaction of like revenge. Like, let's say it's a revenge story or a redemption story. So I sit down and I write, like, you know, uh, if someone were to give me a fan letter, that was like, when I got to chapter 30 and she, you know, killed so-and-so, I was like, hell yeah, girl. Like, you know, like I want like a hell yeah girl reaction there or like, but when I got to chapter 35 and -and so-and-so died, I felt very, you know, devastated by that. Like that way you really know, like what the emotional beats are that you're trying to hit. And when you know that from the outset, or, you know, it as you're going through your final revisions, um, then you kind of know what your goal is. Like, you know what you're really trying to accomplish uh, and that has been very, very helpful to me, even though it's something that sounds a little bit odd when someone tells you to do it. You're like, I don't know. This sounds <laughs> a little hokey, but it's super helpful. Um, it has really changed my process, actually, quite a lot.
0: Yeah, that's, I like that. That's actually a really good idea. I, I think that um, like I'm kind of stuck right now. This one character decided, like, you know, I'm like done with draft one. Almost done with draft two's outline. He decides he wants to be like a whole different like character class, and I'm like, God, you're such a jerk for doing this to me. But it's a lot better. <laughs> and I was like, Why did? It's like a friend, right? It's like, Why didn't you tell me that you wrote books, or why didn't you tell me you like, you know, this book series? It's like, seriously, like you feel Jip, you know? So I'm like, Okay, but I have kind of gotten lost in trying to fix his perspective, you know, because I kind of feel like I can't continue to outline until that happens. And I've been trying to figure out like a good way of getting a better direction for him and I think that's actually a really good tool that I'm actually going to try because I think that
1: totally there's a
0: certain you know, like attitude that I want him to have and I you know there's a certain thing I want people to get from his character so I was trying to figure out how to develop that so I think I'm going to try that that's you know why not right different tools work for different folks so maybe that's maybe that's what I need right now I don't know I think that's a great suggestion super yeah it's, well, it's,
1: it's very low low effort you know yeah, like yeah, you yeah. spend 30 minutes thinking about it and if it doesn't work for you, then that, that's totally fine. But yeah, yeah. I always think it's worth a shot. It definitely has been very helpful for me.
0: That's cool. How many times have you done that then?
1: I started, I did it for Daughter of No Worlds when I was revising because I was following Susan Dennard's like revision guide at the time. Um, and then I, so Children of Fallen Gods, the second book in the trilogy. You're seeing, like, to those of you who are listening, you can't see my face, but I'm having like a PTSD response, like just like it was. (laughs) Oh my god, it was. I this book is 170,000 words long. Wow, freaking doorstop. Okay, and um,
0: you could kill somebody with that. Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, and yeah, the latest one is is 205, so even bigger. Ah. But um, I basically rewrote the book. It was like Mm I I just had I finished the whole thing. And then I sat down and I read the whole thing. And then I was like, ah, oh, shit, like, this is not good. This is not a good book. Uh, it's missing the emotional core of, of like what I think people want. So I did it then at that point. And that was kind of like mid rewrite. And then I started doing it from the get-go, like from the beginning. Cause like I've said, my process has evolved to be more and more planning. It was like my very, very first book was completely pantsed. And then my first Uh, to the two after that were like semi-pantsed and then daughter of no world was was plotted with like a beat sheet basically Mm. uh children of fallen gods was like um you know outlined loosely and then this book is like extensively planned and from now on i am extensively planning because i have deadlines to hit you know like i have have stuff to get done so i'm gonna start i i've done it three times and i do it earlier in the process every time
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm definitely going to try that for, I'm going to try it now, but I I definitely also need to be more extensive in my planning. (laughs) So I'm definitely going to be using that. I'm actually going to check that website out because that actually sounds like, I just need something like that. Like I have some books and stuff for outlining and planning and stuff, but I feel like, like I got this one that's like book in a month, but I feel like- I've heard good
1: things about that.
0: Yeah, the only thing is, is like, I don't always know like I actually think I'm going to try this again for you know like draft two or maybe even draft three because I'm like Mm -hmm. re-outlining but it's like I feel like this one it's really good but it's like I feel like it isn't good for a book one I feel like it'd be better for book two or book three once you have the world building done you know you have some sort of direction or themes are done you know for the first book like it just it's hard for me to do it for book one and I've tried it three different times you know and or at least for book one, draft one, like I would recommend it, you know, for like draft two, you know, once you know your direction more, I think I'm going to try and, you know, maybe use that again or something, but yeah, it's a good one. I just, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody who's out there like for their first book, but for you though, like, you know, having so many done, I would highly recommend it because, you know, in terms of, you know, if your world building's done, even if it's not, I actually think, um, yeah, they just do a really good job. I just think it's for you know, I wanted to use it for like a first book. <laughs> it's just not, it's for, you know, once you've actually written a, a book or at least a first draft, but yeah, I, d- I definitely recommend it for people, you know, who have already written the first book, um, you know, especially if you're struggling with, with finishing the edits or, you know, revising it like I am. I definitely think it's a good tool, but yeah, it's not for... Cool not for day one beginners. I think it's for like, <laughs> day 100 beginners or, you know, right, right. or after year one of staring at your first rough draft, trying to finish it maybe, but yeah, it's a good one. I have another one too, which is really good. Um, it's uh, the complete handbook of novel writing. This one's got like really, Ooh. really, really good uh, graphic organizers in it. Um, nice. I can send you the author. Yeah. It's really good though. Like, um, This person like analyzed Stephen King, Joe Hill, Jane Friedman, Anne Rice, like a lot of different people um, had contributed to this one. So yeah, they're, they're both really good tools. Uh, I highly recommend them to you, our audience. They're really good.
1: Oh, awesome. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, Um, I'm going to check out the website. I, my headphones are dying. So I'm just going to switch my audio input really quick. And hopefully it won't be, (laughs) it won't sound terrible. Okay. Can you hear me?
0: Oh yeah. That sounds perfect.
1: Oh, I cannot hear you though. One second. Oh, oh there you are. Okay. Perfect. We're back.
0: Yeah. I had me the other day with my microphone. I was like, Oh no, I was like literally right in the middle. I was like, somebody was like, say something really good. I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just like yanked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. I was like, yep.
0: And then I went and switched it on too. It was really funny. I don't think anybody noticed, but
1: now they yeah, will. When I was uh, in the, the corporate world, I would be on calls, like literally, you know, Nine ten hours a day, so okay. I got very good at like low key, like <laughs> well, just gonna switch over. Uh huh, uh huh, uh-huh. yep. I'm like on a webinar right now; nobody can know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're like, Chris, are you paying attention? You're like, uh huh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, so you kind of mentioned a little bit uh, for question five there, but what do you think the hardest thing? Um, like, what was the hardest thing that you had to do when it came to writing your trilogy, and how did you try to combat that?
1: Yeah. Um. So there are two things. There's a craft thing. And then there's also like a like a getting things done thing, mm. like a productivity thing. So number one, I left my day job um, in the fall. And before that, I, I talked earlier about my my career in tech. Uh, tech is a very demanding, very demanding field. And I had a really wonderful team and a really wonderful boss. And you know, all the people I worked with are terrific, but You know, when you're working like 60 hours a week, it is real, real hard to also be putting out, and especially in in the indie world that moves very, very fast. Um, I wanted to be putting out multiple books a year, and it was very hard to do that, especially when you're writing 170,000, 200,000 words (laughs) or stops. (laughs) So that was really hard. And I did that by, I would get up really, really early, and I would very frequently be working with people on the West Coast, like in Seattle or in um, San Jose. So Um, I would get up really early, go to Starbucks from five to, um, you know, eight in the morning and do my writing then early, early, early before I did my work day. Uh, and even that would get difficult sometimes because your brain is just so fried. Yeah. That was a big challenge. Um, the other one was from a craft perspective, like I mentioned, Children of Fallen Gods was the hardest book I have ever written ever. It was just, my discard file is like 125,000 words.
0: Wow, that's
1: crazy. Like just brutal, brutal. And I guess what came from that was really understanding what I was trying to do and making sure that I was planning. um, That I couldn't just, I learned that I cannot just forge forward when things are not feeling right. Like I really need to plan and know what I'm trying to do. And uh, thankfully, uh, Mother of Death and Dawn has been a much easier process in that way. I think solely because I planned so much during mm-hmm. that book.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I My friend like mentioned that the other day to me because I think he's in the same boat with like book one. And he was like, how are you doing? I was like, I realized I need to learn how to plan. <laughs> he's like, I got an outline. I go, so did I. <laughs> like I really thought, you know like I had planned well, but I think if you, like, like I had talked to um, uh, Michael Webb about this, it's like he, we talked about, you know, different planning stages for different books in your trilogy, Um he just, he think he's getting done with book three, and yeah, I, I'm like, I don't even know, he's like, don't worry, he's like, you'll get it one of these days, I'm like, it's just funny that everybody says, I think says something very similar, and it's like, but it's like, like, and I, I talk about this at school, because I'm like, we're trying to break down the learning aspect, right, for kids, and, you know, I'm like, well, this is what we're trying to do, but then we also have to think about these other, you know, variable pieces that you can't control, and I think writing's a lot like that, right, like, you can, you, we can talk about it all day long, you know, and you could teach me what you did, but until I actually did it myself, right, it's going to be really hard to talk, Mm -hmm. like, how do you, how do you plan, right, and everybody's different, and
1: it's very personal, it's a very personal process, and one thing that I thought was very cool when I left my day job, I I had this panic moment. I was like panicked. So I left my day job, I went, I got married. I came back from my honeymoon. Then I was like, yeah, okay, full-time writer, time to go. (laughs) And for the first two weeks, it was like brutal. Like I, I, my production was like the lowest that it has been, you know, like in, in a long time. And that's terrifying when you're like, oh, I just left my extremely lucrative tech job to do this. And here I am cranking out, like, you know, spending eight hours on my computer and writing 500 words. Like, that's not good. That's bad news bears. Um, But what I realized was I had to be very uh, tactical about figuring out what my process was. And because I was doing it full time, I was also able to trial and error, like, really fast um, and assemble all of those different pieces of of what worked for me. Like, have you ever read Rachel Aaron's um, 2k to 10k I think it's called oh, um yeah I think
0: like I gotta think about halfway through it's on my um rounds to go back to but yeah that's that's a really good one
1: it's great options, you know and she talks time. about even aside from just like the the kind of clickbaitiness of the the title of it it's what it's really about is discovering a process that works for you and kind of trialing and erroring until you figure out what that process is and I think she does a really wonderful job in that book, just, detailing how she discovered that process for herself. Yeah. Um, and mine actually turned out to be quite similar to hers. And so oh, well. it works out well for me, but it's definitely a very personal thing, I think for every writer.
0: Yeah. I might have to put that one in the show notes too. Cause yeah, I totally forgot about Lindsay Broker. I listen to her podcast a lot. Like the, oh man, totally blanking on what it was originally called. Uh, but now it's, what is it? The I think originally it was like the sci-fi and fantasy writers podcast or something like that um and now i think it's like the 100k podcast but uh yeah that's a really good one i'll have to put that uh, in the show links too but yeah they talk about rachel aaron's books a lot um i know they had her on the show quite a bit in the past but yeah they she's actually i think she has like two new books now too i think that because i kind of lapsed on the show a little bit for two years and then so I was writing and then now I kind of went back to um, the new podcast that they're running, but yeah, I, I think she has a couple of different ones now. So definitely have to put in that the show notes, uh, but I definitely recommend that to anyone in our audience. Uh, and then obviously Lindsay Brokers podcast is what well, we're trying to get on the show actually really soon. Um, we just oh, awesome. kind of clash dates. Yeah. But I was like, Oh, I was like, here you have somebody who's, you know, had hundred K in sales for consecutive years and, you know, in romance and sci-fi and fantasy uh, and I feel like she's one of like the pillars of, uh, you know, like the indie community. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can, uh, get a better date, but yeah, that's where I first, uh, she talked about Rachel Aaron's. I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I'm glad you mentioned that actually, cause I'm trying to find old resources that, you know, cause I feel like I read Rachel Aaron's book, but I wasn't prepared to read it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was almost like I was a wizard and I wasn't at that spell level yet, you know, and I, I was just like, what do I do with it? So I definitely, I've been trying to go back to old podcasts and resources that, I've leveled up a bit, too. And, you know, since I've, you know, listened or read those things, and I think I need to go back now that I actually know more what's going on, um, particularly for my own, you know, writing and stuff. And I do recommend that to our audience, too, you know, that you might just not be ready to write something, you also might not be ready, you know, to plan or whatever how somebody says, but maybe later on, that's going to be your thing. So
1: absolutely awesome. true because I had to do the exact same thing with that book mm-hmm. also like I originally read it several years ago and I was just I liked it but I was not I wasn't at that spell level that's a great way of putting yeah. it yeah
0: yeah yeah I've been uh running my own uh d d campaign in my own fantasy world actually for my books so it's an interesting to get um you know it's kind of like you know, beta readers, right? They're beta gamers. That's interesting to see what they like about the world building, what they don't like. So yeah, definitely recommend that to our audience too. If you have access to your gaming crew, try that out. Uh, So for that sixth question there, so what are your next writing plans? Like what what are you planning for, you know, your next book? Are you trying to do a standalone, a trilogy, a prequel? What do you got going on?
1: I'm excited for this actually. This is the first time I'm really taught. I've like talked about it a little bit on Twitter kind of in a hint way um i am doing vampire romances oh cool Um, high fantasy vampires oh that's cool describe it as castlevania with more kissing oh that's Um,
0: awesome
1: yeah because i like love castlevania yeah yeah classic. uh, going to be six books uh three duologies and each of the duologies focuses on a, a couple and focuses on a um there's three kingdoms in this in this world um one of them that has is kind of like um uh built around like the night and the sky. Um so they have like wings and stuff. One of them that is kind of built around like uh death and mind magic. So they are like necromancers and then the third one that's like an exiled vampire nation um that has like kind of nasty blood magic and they're always going insane and stuff. It's like (laughs) pretty bad news. But I'm very excited about these. I'm actually in a position to start drafting them in January, which is, oh, wow. um, at time of airing in the past. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's super cool.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm like, I'm thrilled about this project actually.
0: Yeah. It sounds really cool. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So by the time, yeah, this podcast airs, yeah, she'll be working on that. So that's really interesting. Hopefully we can, uh, link up on social media, you know, and uh, get people updates, things like that. That's super cool.
1: Absolutely. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. I think that, um, I don't know, to me, that's just interesting because I, I like, I think at the time, right, where Twilight and everything was coming out, it was just like, I guess what I didn't like about vampires probably like six or seven years ago was like everybody was using the same type of vampire, whereas now, I guess I'm more into those older tropes but doing something new with them like to me it's just it's more interesting so I really like what you said so far about it because that to me just like that gets me interested in your vampires you know and and the world building like right off the bat so and I think a lot of people you know at that time were were missing that and like Kevin Hearns were very interesting um Patricia Briggs I feel like were really interesting for that time period and I wish I had read more of their stuff like during that time period because I probably wouldn't have had a stigmatism towards vampires uh, (laughs) or werewolves at that time but I just felt you know there's so much that was like cranking out because of you know what was going on at that time but now I feel like we just talked about that the other day I should talk about two things that you mentioned so one was like the vampires and you know just like doing something a little different with tropes and you know adding a little bit more world building to it where it makes it totally like a new thing now versus just your your typical vampire you know from like Angel or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that, but it's interesting you mentioned duologies though because I had just talked to CM Quinn um and um uh, uh, and then Tilda uh, H- Holt Colt, or Colt Holt about that and I just think duologies are kind of making a comeback and you yeah. know what I mean like there's just not a lot of them out there nowadays but you know people still really seem to enjoy them I think if you look back at you know like original urban fantasy um you know sci-fi and fantasy like some of those classics like they're duologies so to me it's like you know it's a totally different writing style and you know and set up for plot and character development the arcs are different I just think like I look back I'm like I have so many duologies that I absolutely loved, and I just think it's interesting that we're only doing trilogies nowadays so I definitely think that duologies are making a comeback so it's just funny that you mentioned that like back-to-back interviews
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're definitely, I've noticed that they're definitely making a comeback, particularly in my subgenre in romantic fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, The Bridge Kingdom was very successful um, and I've seen like a, a number of, of uh, you know, young adult or new adult, like romantic fantasy duologies out there that are mm-hmm. traditionally published also. Um, what I kind of like about them is that my, the way I structure my books, I always have something very, very big happen at the midpoint, and then I usually have like a part one, part two, and my books are really, really long. So a duology was also my way of kind of reining myself <laughs> in while also giving yeah. myself enough room to do something um, a little bit more fleshed out than maybe a traditional romance series where every single book, like each couple gets one book, you know. Yeah. So for me, it was like kind of my compromise with myself doing a <laughs> six-book series. Um, and giving each couple in each story two books uh, to breathe instead of just one. Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, that's cool, though, because, you know, like, you got to think, right, like, if I really like these set of your vampire characters, you know, I don't want to just see them for one book, you know, I'd want to see them for two books, so I think that that's, like, that's a really good idea, right, because if you have really good characters, it's, like, you know, people would want to read more about them. I've had duologies before, and I've had some standalones where I'm, like, come on you know I'm like these are great characters I'm like at least give me a duology you know if not you know a trilogy like at least give me a duology with these characters and I I think uh, Eberron was like the uh the branch off right um early 2000s for Forgotten Realms and they had some standalones where I was like please do a duology you know like even if you're not going to give me a trilogy like I just felt like there was a lot more that could have been done with those characters and I would have definitely read it and I know a lot of people that you know felt the same way so I, I definitely like that you're doing duologies I think it's a good idea Yeah.
1: well we'll see when I when I come back in a year I'll uh I'll let you know how it goes <laughs>
0: yeah yeah hope it blows up for you I hope that yeah it'd be cool to have like you like Tilda and uh CM Quinn come back after talking about duologies and just having to have like the new thing like that'd be like really really cool it'd be interesting yeah. to see yeah so for those in our audience, we were talking earlier about um, trying to have authors come back, you know, at least uh, if not six months, at least a year from now um, for their their year anniversary for the podcast. And I and a lot of people um, who have talked to authors who have already been on thought that that'd be a really cool way to kind of see where, you know, people have gone, see how the markets change, things like that. So obviously, you know, we invited Carissa back. So yeah, it'll be really cool to see. Uh, I'm hoping that that like, just clicks for you. And just is like sale after sale. So I have a feeling it'll be, it'll be really good for you. So,
1: yeah. Oh, I hope you're right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, So what authors or writers have you found um, that have really inspired you to write? I know I have some that I'm just like, anytime I read them, I like have to put the book down, you know, a couple chapters in and go write right away. So is there anybody like that that you found?
1: Totally. So there's kind of three categories here. Um, One is, you know, my subgenre owes a lot to Sarah J Moss. Um, who wrote oh, yeah. the *Court of Thorns and Roses series and Throne of Glass series, um, because she really, the fact that her books got such an explosive following, um, kind of, it, it paved a path, you know, for the rest of us um, in this, and especially for us as indies, because we, in romantic fantasy, um, we don't get like shelf space. Like we, we're kind of in between genres, in between yeah. age groups, in between, It's it's hard for us. Um, So having her out there and forging that path and kind of stoking the audience for us has been like massive. And also I personally really enjoy her books. (laughs) Uh, So I owe a lot to her. Um, Madeline Miller, who wrote The Song of Achilles and Circe, boy, that's like what you just described about authors who just stoke the creative fires. Absolutely her. Like both of those books moved me on a very, very deep level. Um, so, so good. And then um, in indie world, I also owe a lot to authors like Miranda Honfler Mm. who are indie authors in romantic fantasy. Um, Not only do I owe a lot to their work, which is wonderful, but also a lot of those authors, particularly Miranda, you know, reached out to me when I was kind of just trying to find my audience. Oh, And uh, becoming friendly with me and kind of including me in in stuff and knowledge sharing um mm. amazing and that's also like it it's such a a gift because a lot of authors do not do <laughs> that kind oh, of yeah. stuff not yeah, yeah doing that kind of outreach yeah. um, and not helping up other authors the way that that she was and a lot of other authors in that genre are so i feel super fortunate to be in a really a really collaborative genre and I find a lot of indie authors are like that like I'm sure that that's probably the experience you've had also in society oh, it's wonderful
0: yeah I like I I do I it's just funny that you mentioned that I have to you know talk about Scott Oden um, Mark Timoney um you know like I said anytime I've asked Mallory a question on the air off the air um she's been great uh yeah I've uh Michael R. Fletcher is one like I'll just him or Dirk Ashton and for traditional publishing, like Kevin Hearn, I bug Kevin every so often with, you know, certain questions for research and stuff, and that's one of the things that drew me to indie community in particular was, um, like, I went to meet Kevin Hearn, I met Brandon Sanderson, Patrick Rothfuss, Michael J. Sullivan was there, and they had, like, a whole crew of indie authors, and I just thought, like, I stayed, like, this whole day at the Poison Pen in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I was, like, after a while, I stopped buying books and having them sign them. I was just like taking notes on things they were saying. And like, that was one of the things that like Brian McCollin had said, he's like, I just love this, you know, community. He was like, you know, go look at all these different people's books and stuff. And he's like, you'll see our blurbs around each other's. And he's like, you know, indie communities, like nothing against traditional publishing. And he kind of pointed to those tables. But he's like, this over here is more where it's at, you know, He goes, they might get the money. He's like, but we get like the really cool stuff, you know, and, you know, ever since, I've talked to the indie writing community whether it's fantasy sci-fi horror or anything else I just think it's been really cool so yeah it's uh it's definitely a different experience I feel like but it's nice right when you can have people like Mark Timoney messages me although he just messaged me yesterday I was like hey how's your book coming (laughs) we were talking about pitfalls for you know our current projects and stuff so it's nice to just have people check in on you and Scott bugs me every once in a while Odin he's like are you done yet Get off Twitter.
1: We'll <laughs> give my <laughs> book
0: like, up.
1: We'll get oh. those friends. We do. Yeah,
0: you know, he's like, I want to read your book. Like, get off Twitter. So yeah, it's really funny. But yeah, it's it's nice, right? That's really cool. It's always nice when you can get people like Mallory and I were talking about where it's like there was, I don't know if you saw like, but like in early September, there was like people going around, like asking on Twitter, in particular Instagram, like if you felt like other indie authors were your competition or your friends. And we were all like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, I guess we had all, at least in my community on uh, Twitter, like we had all like, we're like, well, we're friends. Like we want to buy each other's books. We want each other to be successful. Any success that you, you know, see is going to be success for indie. you know, for me or whoever, you know, and it's cool to see your friends succeed. And we were kind of like, Mallory um, in our first interview, she was like, if there's somebody who you're friends with in any the community, and they want you to fail. She probably shouldn't be friends with them. And I was like,
1: Seriously. I totally agree.
0: Like, it was just like kind of a, a weird concept that was going around at that time, but it was nice to see everybody on my feed was like, you know, like, oh, this is so stupid, you know, like, obviously we're all trying to help each other, but yeah. yeah. And it's
1: like, you know, no reader reads one book and then stops reading forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. it's, it's also, I feel like traditional publishing, I know many wonderful traditional authors who are very cooperative, but traditional publishing because there's so many gatekeepers and because you you are in a very literal sense competing for a small pool of resources. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of fosters that that attitude of competition. Um, indie, my experience has not been like that at all and uh, the friends that I've made in my subgenre in particular because we're kind of an odd subgenre like, you know, Claire Sager, who I mentioned before and Miranda Honfler and JM Butler, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful group of people. And everyone is just so helpful. And when I say that they like handed me my career, that's not an exaggeration. It was like, Miranda reached out to me and included me in a group promo she was doing. And then suddenly I had readers. Like it was like, I went from a $5 royalty day being like an awesome day to like, you know, like I quit my job. (laughs) Like it's, and that's all because we have this sense of community and everyone was helping each other and everybody, um, we build a, a collective pool of readership, which is really wonderful, not just for us and also for our readers who always have new books.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's funny that you mentioned that. Like, that's like one of my friends He's like, we talked about, you know, career goals. We were just kind of both burnt out the other day for our drafts and stuff. So I had just gotten done and he, like, we were talking about it. And I was like, I said, honestly, my goal is like, because like Kevin Hearn's like a writing hero of mine, because he bring, he always brings people with him to the poison pen. And, you know, to bring him and Patrick Rutherfest and Brandon Sanderson and like Michael J. Sullivan, but then to bring other people who, you know, you might have never heard of. To me, that was really cool. And that set like a precedent, right? Where that's part of my writing career goal is like, you know, to sell so many books one day that I can do what Miranda did for you, right? Like literally help somebody sell their books. Like my friend's like, well, you're trying to sell your books. I'm like, I don't really care. (laughs) like, I just want to get enough where, you know. I can help newer people. That's like the podcast. Like I'm hoping eventually we get enough, you know, reader and, you know, viewership and stuff like that. Like these reading communities involved where, you know, we can be like, Hey, Chris was really cool. You know, her her books, they're really neat. Check them out. And then, you know, it helps generate sales. Like I just, I think it's fun because anytime I, you know, convince somebody to read, you know, in the author's book, it's like, again, I just think it it helps the whole community out. So that's, that's really cool that she did that for you. That's That's like my little career goal is like to have the influence to be like, here's Here's Chris's book, read it, bam. And then all of a sudden you have like 300 sales that day. Like that's like my ultimate goal. I think that'd be like really, really cool. And like a a nice little way, right, to keep the community going and kind of feels like I'm a teacher. So I feel like maybe goals are a little different for people, but I always try and think of what you can leave behind, you know, like that legacy. And I just think that that's a a cool legacy that Kevin Hearn has you know has developed and some of those other authors trying to get you know I've never seen a traditional publisher get in indie authors before you know like especially eight years ago like that's a seemed like that'd be like a worry market and he was like hey yeah come on down and like we'll sell books together yeah so that's really cool that she did that for you that's really neat I she's actually on my next round um uh to invite for the podcast actually for February she wrote so
1: oh that's great she is wonderful I I got to meet her um in person oh, uh, last yeah. month at the 20 books to 50 K conference in Vegas. I'm so, oh, was so jealous. <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful, but in, honestly, out of everything, there was so much good information. There were so many cool people there, but like my favorite thing about going was getting to meet her. I met jam Butler uh, was there also. And it was oh. really wonderful to like these people I've been kind of friends with online for a couple of yeah. years and mm-hmm. get to hang out and uh, drink a lot of really spicy margaritas. and. <laughs> you know just chat it's great yeah yeah
0: yeah like we were talking before we got started right recording like it is nice just to talk about you know writing with people that actually write it's a lot different than trying to convince my wife that you know like she listens but it's like it's kind of hard right because she doesn't write so and that's like last night when I was talking to this guy at the bar like he writes so it was like we were just like you know, my wife, she's like, you guys are on like a mandate in your own world. And I'm like, oh, it's a total mandate. It was a nice writing date. You know, I was like, absolutely. Like, she goes, don't. did you get his number? Like, she's like, did you get his number? I was like, no, I was like, I'll just come back and see if he's here another night. I was like, I didn't want to be too forward. You know, like, do you want to be writing friends? <laughs> like, sometimes, you know, it's like, Feel like, like was, yes
1: or no like, yeah yeah just, just check yes or no <laughs>
0: <laughs> I told her I was like I need to get business cards you know for the podcast just so I can be like hey here you go just so I can make more writing friends and she was like yeah but that's all you need is more writing friends <laughs> like yeah it's, I think everybody needs them personally but yeah so that's really cool well that's neat that you got to meet those people in person that's what I was saying like I met CL Snyder in person and her and I had talked a lot on like Twitter and stuff so it was it was really neat to actually it's just cool when you get to meet those people in person you feel like it's like the real version of Facebook friends you know like we're actually really friends now because we met in person even if it's for a little bit so yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh so uh any promos news updates or sales that you have currently I know we're you know we're trying to pick um you know right before your next release so uh for this release date for this podcast
1: (laughs) yes um I do so uh the mother of death and dawn is coming out on february 7th oh, cool. and uh daughter of no worlds the first book in that trilogy is on sale for 99 cents for the week to celebrate that release oh,
0: That's awesome.
1: um and uh yes that that's like the big news when this when this airs in that general vicinity i will be celebrating the conclusion of my first completed series what's oh, crazy cool. yeah, that's and that, awesome. that's going to be the big news
0: That's super cool. I always love when we can do the publishing date for these podcasts at a time where it's like those kinds of things happen just so we can kind of, you know, uh, you know, celebrate trilogy birthdays and, you know, book releases and stuff like that. It's like, it's like celebrating someone's birthday on their birthday, I feel like, you know, versus like the day before or after. I don't know. It's just what it's what it feels like to me. So it's always really cool. So yeah,
1: when you said February, I was like, perfect. Like, awesome. (laughs)
0: It's it's so funny because, you know, like there were so many people like Fonda Lee um, I got in a hold of, she's like, oh, I really like to, but, you know, I like just getting done my book tour then. It's like so many, a lot of the horror authors that I do know that want to come on here, they're literally like just getting done with production then and then like releasing in March. Um, so, yeah, it just was like, <laughs> I was like, well, I asked in August, you know, for most people. Um, but I guess like, you know, you know, it's nice to see, right, that people are being so productive um you know and that's like that this time you know when this is gonna be published it's like it's just gonna be a busy time for a lot of people but I told them I was like if you're not on now like let me know I was like we'll do like I don't know my friend and we're trying to think of like a horror month or something like that you know and then we might just start doing gimmicks for the months you know just to see how it goes whatever people like you know and try and center genres or you know things around the hashtags or something like that just something new something fun but yeah I think uh hopefully February she wrote will be a you know a good one for you and everybody else we have on and it'll just be like sale after sale so uh, benjamin has a lot more followers than me so (laughs) uh, yeah so he was asking me i was like oh we're trying to get these people on here so i'm trying to get a few more uh um trying to get at least one copy of everybody's book who i've interviewed for february she wrote um just trying to get at least like a library copy or a physical copy of my hand because he's got some different promo stuff that he's doing um like different videos and stuff like that for advertising for you guys um so yeah so i think that'll be really cool so when when I'm able to do the pictures and send in like the video and stuff and he gets it done, um, uh, I'll try and send it to everybody. So you'll have that. So you can actually put that out at the same time. So we'll try and get two different channels going. So I think that will be nice, really nice. cool. Sure. Yeah. So I hope, that's cool, I hope right? it helps sales. That's, that's our main goal here is just to, you know, get everybody buying your books. So I hope it blows up for you. That's so. my
1: goal too. So great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why
0: <something> i <laughs> line like that. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, Chris. It was really a pleasure, uh, pleasure talking to you. I really hope, you know, even if you can't, you know, come back before that year, definitely, you know, get your send out a uh, six month in advance, like uh, your anniversary podcast uh, invitation going for you, whatever. We'll just put it in whatever we got going at that time. Uh, but yeah, really, I learned a lot today and I'm sure our audience did too. So really want to thank you for coming on today
1: yeah thank you for having me i had so much fun it was wonderful to to meet you uh face to face yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as close as possible and yeah.
1: i i will always happily i love doing this stuff yeah, like i awesome. just it's just hanging out talking, talking about writing it's so yeah, much yeah. fun so yeah. uh so thank you
0: yeah yeah of course and of course our audience we want to thank you for tuning in to the fancy and sci-fi fanatics podcast you can find this video on youtube spotify rssfeed.com we will by the time this is aired have our uh, website uh, ready to go. So it's www.danielcubal.com. And then you'll just go to the um, Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast link right there. You will actually, by this time, this podcast is air, you actually will find Carissa and everybody else's uh, author profiles. Um, so you can go right on there. You can check that out. We'll have her socials as long uh, as well as everybody else's that's been on the show. You can go right to her website and we'll actually put on there uh, any place you can actually find her book on the interweb. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, if you don't mind, also, if you you know want to pass along any questions, comments, things like that, if you're like, man, I read Chris's book, and it was absolutely amazing, uh, you know, feel free to either email her through that author profile. Or if you're shy, you can send it to us at scholarsofuma, that's U M A at gmail.com. And we will pass on those comments and things like that to her. Obviously, authors really like hearing that. Somebody really liked their book. (laughs) Uh, So if you guys, you know, send any fantasy sci-fi pictures, any book related pictures too, if you like bought Chris's book, um, you know, on Kindle or anything else, and you want to take a picture with us, send it to us through that email and we will send it right to her. And we'll actually post it on our websites as well. And we think that that would be like a new cool thing that people can do to kind of connect with authors and stuff like that in different communities. Again, Chris, I really want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, Once this is done, I will edit everything and I'll send you the calendar and we'll be all set for February, she wrote.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, not a problem. I hope you have a good rest of the day and I will talk
1: to you on Twitter, my friend. Yeah, you too. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.